Support comes from the Rosa Parks Museum on Troy University's Montgomery campus. Located on the spot of Mrs. Parks' historic 1955 arrest and featuring exhibits that chronicle the history of the Montgomery bus boycott. More information at troy.edu slash Rosa Parks. From Troy Public Radio, this is In Focus, and I'm Carolyn Hutchison. Today we're kicking off Women's History Month with a wiregrass story about an independent young woman who was determined to make her way in a man's world in the 1920s. Winnie Wright was her name, and retired Covington County District Judge Frank Trippy McGuire documented her unconventional life in his book, A Roaring Twenties Flapper Who Broke Glass Ceilings, Winnie Wright in the Early Boomtown Years of Op Alabama. Judge Frank Trippy McGuire, thank you so much for joining us to kick off Women's History Month here at Troy Public Radio by Skype. Hello, Carolyn. How are you? It's good to be with you. Well, I'm excited about your new book. Winnie Wright was in her early 20s, and she stepped off the train at the Op Depot in 1919 wearing a short skirt. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. She started off with a bang. She was an eye catcher from the beginning. But what got her far in the business world was not her looks, but it was her intelligence and her determination and her winning personality that got her the nickname Winsome Winnie. You spent some 18 months researching this story, and this was the era of the flappers and what else? The Roaring Twenties, it was just an exciting time to be in the United States. You know, we were just coming off World War I and the Spanish flu epidemic. 70 million people died because of those two events. So, People were ready for a change, and the Roaring Twenties gave them all the changes they wanted. Music could now be brought into living rooms through Victrola phonographs, then radio. Before that, people didn't have music in their homes. The Jazz Age came about. The Flappers came into being. You know, women didn't work outside the home unless they were single and a teacher or were married to a store owner. But the book takes a look at those changes from 1919 to 1932 in Op, Alabama. It takes a broader look at America in general during that time. The rise of the automobile, electricity, iceboxes, airplane flight, parties, prohibition, moonshining. It takes a look at Al Capone, the St. Valentine's Day massacre, dating and courtship, how that changed with the advent of the automobile. No longer would dating be chaperoned, which was quite a radical change. And telephones kept Americans connected, and professional sports kept them interested, and motion pictures and radio kept them entertained. And automobiles kept Americans on the go. So there was just all sorts of changes in the Roaring Twenties that made life really interesting and easier for Americans because there were now electric appliances to help take care of mundane affairs that used to last all day. And it made a lot more free time and leisure time for Americans. Well, speaking of automobiles, Winnie Wright was ahead of her time. She actually owned an automobile, and it was considered a bit scandalous, I guess, for (laughs) women to be owning and driving automobiles. But anyway, she came to op. She's originally from Clay County, grew up on a farm. 
went to business school in Montgomery, then came to OP and asked for a job. She was hired by the three most important businessmen in town. What happened? That's just how impressive she was, and that was one of the things that fascinated me about her because it was just taboo. I mean, there were no women in the business world, particularly banks, but that's who hired her. And to me, that was a testament to her intelligence and her kindness, her determination, her politeness, and her personality. She was just really outstanding because Mr. Douglas, the bank president who hired her and was the man who made op, he had to have been just bowled over by her when she came in and talked to him. And he was a very paternalistic figure, and I'm sure she saw him as a father figure. The two apparently hit it off. He hired her. And I'm sure there were eyebrows raised when that happened. But once they got to know Winnie, they saw that, man, this was a good hire. And she opened up a door, broke a glass ceiling by being a woman working in a bank and a single woman at that. The cotton mills come into play in the history of Covington County and propelled a lot of the industry there. How long did she work there? I could not find the exact year that she went to work there, probably about 1923, and worked there from 23 to 32, so about nine years. And then entering the scene is a Rhett Butler-type character. (laughs) That's right. Whom all the women were really thrilled to have in Covington County, especially Winnie. What happened with this guy? Well, he was quite a guy. Everything he did, he did with a big splash. He always had money to spend. He might have been the original big spender. He was one of those types. He was like Rhett Butler, loved fine whiskey and beautiful women, and did not mind spending money on women. Nobody knew where his money came from, like with Rhett Butler. There was a lot of intrigue to him. He was a man's man. He had grown up in blue-collar jobs doing really heavy work, and he had earned his worth amongst other men by virtue of his strength and his work ethic. But then he started moving into his own ventures. He did not want to be bossed over by anybody. He wanted to be his own boss. And he didn't want to be tied down to a woman also, but Winnie overcame that. That was another glass ceiling she broke. He was 12 years older than Winnie Mm -hmm. and had an automobile dealership. In fact, she bought that car from him. And what kind of car was it? It was a Willis, W-I-L-L-Y-S. Pretty expensive. Willis's, by and large, were more expensive than Ford's. So you had to have a little more money to buy a Willis than you did a Ford. Judge McGuire, this was the era when women got the vote. So Winnie was sort of a prototype of that type of woman back then. And what was really interesting is she wasted no time once women achieved that right in the early 20s getting involved with politics. One of the things I found fascinating about her was a letter she had received from Hugo Black, who was from Alabama. He was elected a United States senator in 1926. And in the 1930s, when Franklin Roosevelt became president, he appointed Hugo Black to the U.S. Supreme Court. In the early 70s, Hugo Black, Justice Black by then, sent a very cordial letter to Winnie in which he recounted the role she had played in his 1926 senatorial election which he was the dark horse in the race because there were several big names in that race. And Hugo Black was, 
working the grassroots while the other bigger names were hitting the big towns and cities. Hugo was hitting the hamlets and the crossroads throughout Alabama, and he won without a runoff. But he wrote that letter to Winnie years later thanking her for the role that she had played in Covington County and said that he attributed his large vote in Covington County to her efforts. And I thought, wow, that was really something. And, you know, in 1926, for a woman to be involved in politics so quickly. Weren't they both from Clay County? Right. He would have known her family because they had been in Clay County since after the Civil War. So he certainly would have been familiar with her family. I think, Judge McGuire, you have set the stage for the murder trial of the century in Covington County. And let's pick up the story during Women's History Month here and finish the story and find out what drove the jury's verdict. Can we do that? (laughs) There's a lot of intrigue involved, and I'll be happy to share what I know. Thank you so much for joining us today by Skype. Thank you, Carol. I've certainly enjoyed it. That was retired Covington County District Judge Frank Trippy McGuire, author of the book A Roaring Twenties Flapper, who broke glass ceilings, Winnie Wright, in the early boomtown years of Op Alabama. Later this month, we'll bring you part two of our interview. More information can be found online at trippymaguire.wixsite.com slash trippymaguire. Thanks for joining us today for In Focus, which is now a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carolyn Hutchison, and this is listener-supported Troy Public Radio. Support comes from Sunshine Behavioral Medicine, committed to the idea that mental health, like physical wellness, requires regular maintenance and checkups. More information at sunshine2000.com.